time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Greetings, my friends. How are you today on this midwinter Sunday, January 2023, here on the Jersey Shore? Hopefully, you're enjoying your weekend. Hopefully, you had a wonderful Christmas and, and New Year's. Great to be back live with you. Last two weeks, we were doing a podcast only as the station uh, was holiday. So we had Christmas on Sunday morning, and then we had New Year's Day on Sunday morning. Had a nice uh, two weeks where I was able to sleep late. Um, hopefully, you did listen to the podcast. We had uh, some of the most important shows we do is at the end of the year, we do the, the year and uh, recap of things that happened in the world and the markets for 2022. That was a show we did on Christmas Day. Uh, last week, we did our, our much-anticipated 2023 forecast show. Uh, and if you missed any of those shows, you got to go to thefinancialphysician.com. And we have – just go to the radio tab or the blog, and you'll, 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 you'll get the recording of our podcasts. And uh, uh, I, I think they were really, re- really, really good. You, you, want, you want to listen to that because a lot of the things that we talk about on today's show is going to be based on a lot of the things we talked about given the review of 2022 and what we think will happen in 2023. We live in uh, incredibly interesting times, and uh, it's important that you keep um, informed on, on what's going on. So if you missed either of those shows, easy. Just go to thefinancialphysician.com, click on the, the blog or the radio show tab, and uh, you'll be able to listen to them uh, at your leisure. But great to be back live with you. How you doing, Paul? Doing good, Lou. Missed you, man. I, I mean, I missed you. I missed the show. I mean, uh, there's something I was telling you before the show. I was telling Paul that... I'm more nervous recording a podcast than I am doing live radio. Uh, you would say, why would you, why would that be? It's just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem real to me. Uh, you know, when that light goes on here live, you know, you're on. You have, you can't make mistakes. You can't go back and edit it and re-record something. When I do a podcast, I find myself stopping all the time saying, oh, I don't like the way that sounded. Let me do it over again. Uh, trying to make it too perfect. Um, but there's something about live radio, the adrenaline flowing, knowing that people, you know, are in their cars on the parkway and may stumble upon listening to you. Uh, there's just something really exciting. And, and, and this is my 23rd year in radio. Actually, it's more like 25 because I did it a couple of years earlier. But um, it never gets old to me. And I just love coming into the studio, uh, seeing that red light go on on the microphone, knowing that we're live with you and uh, – we are live each and every Sunday, um, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM or anytime at the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. So it's January 8th. Boy, what happened to the holidays? They were here and they're gone, right? You know, you <laughs> much anticipated. Thanksgiving came. Before you know it, it's a blur. It's Christmas. New Year's, that week goes by real quick. And uh, here we are almost in the middle of January. Uh uh, next Monday is uh, Martin Luther King Day already. 
middle of January. Before you know it, it's going to be uh, President's Day. We're going to be in the middle of income tax season. We'll talk about taxes later on in the program. Uh, but a lot going on, and we have a lot to share with you here on The Financial Physician. Of course, first time we could take phone calls again in, in three weeks, 732-237-9626 is the call number. Now, if any of you listened to my um, my prediction show last week, I'm curious to, th- to hear what you guys think. Uh, do you agree with me, disagree with me? Uh, got a lot of emails with people with their opinions on, on what's going to happen in 2023. And we talked about the economy. We talked about financial markets. We talked about politics. We talked about geopolitics. Uh, and and for those who didn't listen to the show, I mean, I'm going to recap some of this stuff, you know, during the program because not everybody listened to the podcast. We got a lot of uh, older listeners who still don't know how to use a computer. <laughs> it's becoming less and less as people get older and older. People die off. Uh, you know, more and more people are technologically savvy now. Uh, it wasn't long ago. I remember uh, 60 year olds, 65 year olds didn't even have a computer. Now it's kind of hard to to find people who aren't computer literate unless they're 90 years old. Uh, but we have a lot of older listeners on this show that, that just don't use the computer. So uh, we're going to touch on some of the things that we talked about, you know, last week in our prediction show. Um, anyway, it's a new year, and I, I think a new year is a great time to uh, take stock on where we are financially. And too many people, I, I have a chapter in my book. Uh, the Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health. Again, available free of charge. We have the downloaded uh, version of the program. Just go to thefinancialphysician.com. It pops right up as soon as you go there. You know, do you want the book? You just give us your email address. We'll send you a link and you'll get the PDF of the book. So no need to buy it. Uh, although I do have hard copies available. If anybody wants one, just send me an email. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Give me your address and I'd be happy to mail it to you. At my cost. Uh, uh, I'll even sign it. Maybe it'll be worth $5 one day. Who knows? Who knows? But, you, you, you know, if you're, you, you, you could download the podcast, uh, the PDF. It's, it's, it's available. But chapter seven, and I talk about the reasons why Americans fail financially. The 20 symptoms. It was originally 25, but my publisher cut, cut out five chapters. Um, maybe I should write another book and just use those five chapters as a good, good head start on it. I don't know. People have been clamoring for me to write another book. Unless you've ever gone through the process of writing a book, uh, don't tell me to write another book. <laughs> you know, you see all these books. You go to the bookstore. You go online. You go to a library. Those books don't write themselves. <laughs> I mean, it takes a lot of time, a lot of research, a lot of editing uh, to get a book out. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe we'll write another book. Maybe I'll write a novel. Maybe I'll write a suspense novel or something. Probably not. <laughs> but, but maybe I'll write another financial book. I don't know. Anyway, chapter seven of my book uh, says one of the reasons why people fail financially is lack of detailed record keeping and review. How many of us, look, we, we go to the doctor, right? And we get an annual checkup. All our vital signs are checked. They ask us how we're feeling, if we have any problems. They enter that information in our chart. The doctor reviews all the records and he, he looks at the changes from the previous uh, appointment you had with him. Maybe he gives you some more tests. And every year that same process is repeated. 
So we know our physical health is important, but how about our financial health? Do we do that same thing? No, most people do not keep good financial records. Most people don't make budgets. Most people don't over, um, don't monitor their, their their financial health. Yeah, you can know uh, we're a little tight. You know, I got too much debt. You know, uh, my investments aren't doing so good. But that's not a comprehensive review. That's just lamenting. And if you don't keep good financial records, you don't keep checking your accounts. If you don't know your net worth, if you don't know where your money's going, in the book I call it financial malpractice. And uh, there's a lot of similarities. You know, that's why my brand and the title of the show and my book and my website is The Financial Physician. Uh, there's a lot of analogies between physical health and financial health. And, and, and this is financial malpractice. If you don't check what's going on, just if you don't check your health, if you don't get checkups, you don't get blood tests, how do you know there's not something wrong? And, you know, last year we, we talked about it in our review. What a, The worst year, when you take stocks and bonds together, 2022 was the worst year since 1871. Not 1971, 1871. Just as we were coming out of the Civil War. That's how bad it was last year. You know, typically... You know, stock market goes down, bonds do well. You know, that's why you have a portfolio that's part stocks, parts bonds. So if the stock market takes a crap, at least the bond market will hold you up. But last year was one of the few years. I think it was the first year since something like 1937 where both stocks and bonds went down together. So there was nowhere to hide last year. Really, there was not. There was two places to hide. I guess cash. Well, if you had money in the bank or a money market, you didn't lose money. You didn't make a lot, but you didn't lose. Precious metals held their own last year. But pretty much every other asset class went down. So um, as we saw the markets nosedive last year, millions of people didn't open their financial statements. How many of you did not want to look at your 401k or your brokerage statement? I guess it's human nature to figure, say, well, if we don't look at it, it didn't happen. <laughs> if I don't know about it. And I got to tell you, I'm guilty of that, too. I I, 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 I had a tough year as well. I mean, I, I, you know, I have a lot of a lot of stocks. I have a lot of speculative positions I have. And you know, I took it on the chin, too. And, uh, and I knew it was going to happen. I said it on the show last year at this time that it was going to be a tough year. Uh, and I tried to protect myself as best I could, but it was just impossible uh, not to lose money. And, uh, you know, it's human nature. If I don't look at the accident, I won't see the blood, I guess. Uh, but that's not, not good. They say ignorance is bliss. But it seldom is, right? <laughs> Ignorance is not bliss. Uh, so most people didn't see um, or learn about the extent of their losses uh, until they had the, they were brave and they opened it up, or their spouse did and said, "Honey, look at us. This is this is this is tough." But most people shy away from financial record keeping. They don't like to balance their checkbooks. Uh, it just horrifies them to 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 deal with that. Uh, but it's important to do so. Uh, 
It's not that hard, really, financial record keeping. It's not that hard. And, you know, when you start doing it, you start feeling really good about it because you're engaged in your finances. You know, you, you become more disciplined. You feel like you're in control as opposed to being out of control. Uh, and it's really important to do things. So let's talk about some of the things that we should do each and every month to get control of our finances. And January is always a good time to do this. You know, it's a new year. It's a new you. It's a good time to look at last year and how could I do things better this year? Many people have uh, New Year's resolutions. It's probably a good time to have um, financial New Year's resolutions. Although just like regular New Year's resolutions like losing weight, going to the gym, getting in shape, uh, many people have financial resolutions and by the third week in January, you know, it's funny, I, I go to the gym, so you know, I see this happen every year, right? January, it's crowded as hell. Everybody wants to lose weight and whatnot, and by, by February, it's back to the normal people that are usually there. Oh, it's the same is true of financial New Year's resolutions. Now, uh, I think it was 2010. I was on Fox and Friends uh, on New Year's Day, uh, and I talked about New Year's financial resolutions. Now, I've done a lot of television, especially back when my book came out. I was traveling all across the country. I was doing all kinds of TV. I was on major networks. And uh, I got to go on Fox and Friends, and and it was a real thrill. Uh, And, uh, you know, they sent a car for you. It was early New Year's morning. Uh, You go into the green room. Uh, I met Mike Huckaberry, who was in there, and we talked for a while. And they bring you out. uh, And... uh, you do uh, what's about three or four minute segment. Uh, it's not like radio where I go on for two hours and espouse everything. You know, it's three or four minutes. But it was really cool. And I did New Year's resolutions, things that we should do uh, each and every uh, year to get uh, our financial health um, better. So what should you do every month? Every month, we need to review all our financial records, our bills, our financial statements, our 401k plans. It'll probably take less than an hour. Do you have an hour a month to look at your financials? So what should you do? Examine every bill and statement line by line. You'll be surprised how much stuff you'll find out about your behavior financially. You may find mistakes on some statements. Uh, We'll talk about subscriptions in a little while, you know, how those things add up. Make sure that your, your, your credit card bills are accurate. Uh, and you want to do this with your spouse if you're married. You want to do this together. It shouldn't be one person driving a financial car. And that's a whole other chapter I have in the book uh, about the importance of spousal teamwork financially. But we'll leave that for another day. So you want to look at, at all your receipts. Look at your, your what you've been charged. Is it accurate? Uh, if you have an ATM card, look at your bank statements. Make sure everything seems to be right there. Question whether these expenses were necessary. How many expenses do we? How much money we spend that that really isn't necessary? Ask if any expenditure was uh, too expensive, or whether you can get it for less. You know, you know, you, some of some of us automatically renew our car insurance and homeowners insurance. Why, why didn't you just shop around? See, maybe you could save some money. We're all lazy. That's the problem. Check your interest rates. Um, 
and uh, and review your investments. Look at look at the interest rate on your credit cards. A lot of people are seeing their interest rates on their credit cards go up as interest rates go up in America. Uh, some people are seeing that their, their their credit line is either being reduced or expanded. Uh, you want to know that. Do you know if your bank lowers your credit line, say from 10000 to 5000 you know your, your credit rating goes down? Because it's based on credit utilization. So, you know, if you... If you had $10,000 credit line and you owe 2000 your credit utilization is 20%. But if it's 5000 obviously it's a lot higher. It's like 45%. And by your credit utilization going up, it lowers your credit rating. You want to know that. That's another thing you want to check. You don't have to check it every month. But every couple of months, it'd be good to check your credit rating. There's so many services now, you can get it for free. How about subscriptions? Like I mentioned before, subscriptions are things that you pay monthly for access to a website or uh, to a a streaming station like Netflix or Roku or uh, Hulu and all these different things. Audible, maybe you you get books, you get a credit every month. And I was looking through my statements recently. I can't believe how many subscriptions I have. And I never even use half of this stuff. I'm paying $13 a month for XM, uh, for Sirius Satellite Radio. I never use it. I watch YouTube in my car. It's probably dangerous, but, but I watch YouTube videos in my car. I don't listen to XM Satellite Radio. Uh, but meanwhile, I'm looking at it. I'm paying $13 a month. That's $13 a month I'm flushing down the drain. I don't use Hulu. I'm paying for that. And on and on. Uh, I think I pay something like $300 a month for subscriptions. And I probably use $50 a month of it. So I'm in the process of starting to do this. By the way, I wish I I knew what it was. But there's an app now that you can get that tracks all your uh, subscriptions. And you can cancel them right on the app. It's a really easy way to do it. But most of us will keep paying these prescriptions every uh, subscriptions every month because we're too lazy to find out what we're paying and too lazy to make the call or do what's necessary to stop it. It's a good idea every month to monitor your investments and check how how they're doing. Make sure your strategy is working, that, that, that you're not overexposed to risk. A lot of people discovered this year that, hey, I didn't know my 401k was so risky. Well, <laughs> my million dollar 401k is worth 700000 now. I guess it was risky and I didn't even know about it. How many people do not make changes on their 401k? How many people don't even know what they're invested in their 401k? How many people don't know uh, how much exposure to the stock market they have in their 401k? I'm going to tell you, the vast majority... Because I see them in my office. A new client comes in. I look at their 401k statement. I say, well, what percent is in equities and stocks? I don't know. Or if they think they know they're wrong. It's a lot higher in most cases. So you got to know these things. Now, last year, everybody lost money. I mean, 
you can't say I was a bad investor because my, my 401k was down last year. I mean, it's pretty, pretty tough to avoid losses last year. The question is, how did I do compared to A, the market? B, how did I do compared to where I, uh, my risk tolerance and my proximity to retirement? Am I retired? Should I have had that kind of risk? Uh, and make adjustments. It's just amazing how many people, you know, people have a half a million dollar or a million dollar 401k and they have no idea how it's invested, what their risk is. Uh, many people learned what risk was in 2022, as I said, the worst year in stocks and bonds since 1871. I was just a little kid back then, but hey, you know, it's a long time ago. Once a year, it's a good idea to do two financial statements. The first one is a net worth statement. I ask people, one of the first things I ask a new client, comes, what's your net worth? And I do that not to get an accurate answer because I know I won't. I do it to elicit, uh, elicit the response of uh, people's cross-eyed, I don't know. Got to know this stuff. It's not a hard thing to do. Your net worth is your scorecard, your your financial report card, if you will. And all it simply does, it's just a one-page piece of paper. On the left-hand side, you write everything you own. Checking account, savings account, 401k, IRA, CD, annuity, house, car, gold coins, anything that's of value to you. You put on the left-hand side of the paper and you total it up, total assets. That's not that hard. You could even do it, Paul, right? It's not that hard. <laughs> He's saying, yes, yes, I can do it. <laughs> I'm only making fun of Paul. Paul's a smart guy. I'm sure he could do it. Um, but uh, it's not hard to do. And then on the, the right-hand side, we, put, we call it liabilities. You have assets, you have liabilities. Liabilities is a fancy name for debt. Who do you owe money to? Your mortgage, home equity loan, car loan, credit card, student loan. 10000 I borrowed from Uncle Joe. Whatever you owe anybody, you total that up. That's called total liabilities, total debt. That wasn't hard, right? Just got to pull out some statements. Then you do a simple calculation. Assets minus debt equals net worth. So in other words, if you sold everything you own and you paid off everything you owe, how much would you have left? Now, hopefully that's a positive number. (laughs) I mean, that's what you want. Although many Americans, if not most, have a negative number. And then you want to look at, okay, how does my net worth December 31st, 2022, compared to my net worth, December 31st, 2021. That's why it's important to do this every year, because it is a report card. How did my my wealth, how did my, my net worth change year over year? Now, if you did it in 2022, it's pretty hard not to see your net worth go down. How does net worth go down? Number one, your investments go down. Your assets go down. And it's very rare 
that your assets go down at the same time your debts go down. That rarely happens. So your net worth is going to go negative. It's going to go backwards if your investments go down, your assets go down. Usually that goes down very, very slowly unless you're using your assets to pay off your debt, at which point your net worth doesn't change. So if I take $100,000 out of my investment account and pay $100,000 off of my mortgage, well, I have 100000 less debt and I have 100000 less assets, the net change is zero. How's another way our net worth goes down besides our assets going down? Well, our debt goes up. So many people now, we, we've illustrated on this program, uh, are, are using credit cards to get by due to this massive inflationary spike we're living through. Credit card debt are all-time highs right now and going up by record amounts each month. So, you know, we got, in many cases, a lot of people saw their assets going down and their debt going up. That's the worst of all all situations, right? But you don't want to get crazy because one year your net worth went down. I mean, as long as it didn't go down a crazy amount. And if it did, you want to know why. Why am I less wealthy one year later than I was a year before? You know, the goal every year is to have more net worth, right? But unfortunately, certain things happen in life. You know, maybe we have a health issue or maybe we lost our job uh, or maybe we had a bear market like we had in 2022. Maybe there's a housing crash. So, you know, most of my net worth was my home and it went down 20 percent, which is most likely this year. And what could I do to change it? So if I if I lost 30% in my 401k, it's time to look at that 401k and say, maybe I need to adjust the investments in here so this doesn't happen to me again. Uh, having your net worth go down one year is one thing. Having the trend going down year after year is dangerous. Now, there's a time in life where net worth contracting is okay. And that's when you retire because you, you've accumulated assets, your net worth has grown your whole life as you were working and saving and putting money in the 401k, your house is being paid off, it's appreciating, your net worth is growing. But it's, it's perfectly acceptable in retirement to have your net worth contract because now you're consuming your assets in retirement. The reason why you accumulated net worth is so you could spend that net worth in your golden years. That's okay as long as it's it, 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 uh, the net worth is going down at a, a respectable percent per year, what you expect. I mean, your net worth isn't going to last very long if you're losing 30% of it a year and you're in retirement. But if it's going down 3 4% a year because you're consuming it, that's okay. But if you want to build, worth, uh, build wealth, you want your net worth to increase each year. This means you're saving money, you're paying down debt, your investments are growing, or all three. Very important to know this. I did mine this week. I always do it the first week in January. As soon as I got my statements online, uh, I, I'm kind of excited to do it uh, most years because it's usually up. <laughs> Last year, not so much. But um, but it's important to monitor this so you can make the, adjust, the adjustments in your life.
Now, you can go online and get fancy templates to do this, but you don't really need to do it. You could do it on the back of a piece of paper. And once you do it, discuss it with your spouse and say, look, you know, this is our net worth right now. Uh, I'm a little concerned that we're building up too much debt or we're spending too much money. Uh, Maybe we need to cut back here or there. And that brings us to the next statement that you need to do. And that's an income and expense statement. It's a fancy name for um, uh, a budget. And uh, to many people, budget is a dirty word. And to other people, it's like um, a battle plan to prosperity, to know where does my money go. And I can't tell you how many people tell me, oh, I make good money, but I can't save any. Well, why not? Because they don't know where their money's going. So the first thing you do with an income and expense statement is the top of the paper, you write where all my sources of income come from. Salary, social security, interest, dividends, capital gains, rent. And where does all my money go? What's all my expenses? Well, the easiest thing to do first is the fixed expenses. How much do I pay every month for my mortgage, my car payment, my student loan payment, my utilities? Yeah, that's not fixed. It varies a little bit, but you pretty much could. My cable bill, my my telephone bill. These are fixed expenses. These are things that pretty much we, without major changes in our lives, we can't really affect. It is what it is. Then we have variable expenses, vacation, going out to eat, things like that. You want to write them all down. A good way to do this is to, to take three months of your um, your checking account, your credit card statements, and see where all your money goes. And that includes all those ATM withdrawals, debit card purchases, cups of coffee at Starbucks, going out to lunch. And for those of you with serious vices, we got to add all that stuff up to gambling, drinking, smoking. Whatever other vice you may have, drugs, women, uh, and a, a, a good a good uh, thing to do, a good exercise, I tell people, is carry around. You ever see these little small notebooks, you know, a little spiral thing. You turn it over the top. You know, a little thing. Put it in your back pocket or your pocketbook. Every day, write down every dollar you spent that day. Do this for a month. And I think you will have an eye-opening epiphany. Is today Epiphany? I don't know. <laughs> Is it Epiphany? Isn't that when the wise men came after Christmas? That was called the Epiphany, right? I don't know. Uh, that may be today. <laughs> so I got Epiphany today. Anyway, uh, you, you, your eyes will widen. You'll see, oh, my God, look at all the money we're spending on this. Look at the money we're spending on this. Uh and that, this gives you an idea of, like, why can't I save any money? This is where all our money's going. Maybe we can cut this out. Maybe going out to dinner four days a week isn't a good idea. Maybe uh, maybe if I cut this back, I'll be able to pay down some debt. Or maybe if we don't spend this money, that money can go into an IRA account. 
So as I said, you write all your income sources, you write all your expenses, and then just like your net worth statement, you subtract your expenses from your income, and hopefully that's a positive number. So if your income is is 100,000 and you calculate all your expenses for the year to the dollar, you're at least close to it, and see it's 90,000, well, you should have saved $10,000 last year. Now, you're going to may say, oh, Lou, I didn't save $10,000 last year. Well, then you're lying to yourself. You did not account for all your expenses. So income minus expenses equals savings or investments. Or if it's negative, you're spending more than you're taking in. That means increase in debt. Right? I mean, this is this is simple. I mean, you, you can't spend more than you earn without going into debt, right? That's tapping your credit line. That's tapping your credit cards. Or your savings. All these things are negative to net worth, like we just talked about before. I'm spending more than I'm taking in. I'm using my savings. I'm going into debt. My net worth is declining. So ideally, what you want to see is that after your, in, your your expenses, you have money left over. And that money left over is how you build your net worth. That money goes towards paying down debt. That money goes towards saving and investing. And the answer to financial success is understanding your budget. Where does my money go? It's pretty easy to know where it comes from. But where does it go? And you have to do a little work on this. But once you do it, you, it's, 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 it's eye-opening. And you can say to your spouse, or your, honey, we need to really start changing the way we live to get back on course. And being engaged with our finances is so important. And if you do it after a while, you're going to like it. Now, now there's, there's this difference between being engaged with your finances and being myopic. Being obsessed. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about being engaged in your finance. Checking your investments, checking your spending, checking your debt. Now, you don't want to be overly restrictive in a budget. I mean, you want to leave enough money to enjoy life. I'm not telling you not to ever go out to eat or anything like that. You want to keep enough money for entertainment, for travel, and such. But you don't want to splurge. You know, if you can't afford to splurge, you want to be responsible. You want to have the right balance. And you don't want to live a horrible life now, uh, hoping to live a greater life later. That That's no good. That's no way to live. So again, uh, good time. It's the beginning of the year. It's a great time to really start looking at, okay, what's my net worth? That should be your number one goal this week. Figure out your net worth. Understanding that it probably went down in 2022. Hopefully it didn't go down too much or an unacceptable amount. It's going to happen once in a while. But if you do a net worth statement every year, and I do it on a spreadsheet, you know, I, I, um, I could see how my net worth has changed year to year. You can even put a graph on it. See, is it going up? Is it going down? What have you? What's the trend? And that's what's important, the trend, not what one year does, unless it's really spectacularly bad. But uh, it's what the trend is. Uh, and hopefully the trend is higher. If you're, in a, you're still working, you're, you're not retired yet, 
when you are retired, you have to have an understanding that, you know, my net worth will probably contract over, over the course of the rest of my life, which is exactly why you built net worth in the first place when you were working. So you can expen- expense it um, in your retirement. But be engaged. Uh, do yourself a favor this week. Go online if that, that's the way you do it or you're getting your statements now in the mail. Uh, uh, do a, a very, very basic net worth statement. You could do it on one piece of paper uh, and then analyze your, your, your budget, see where all your money goes to, where you're spending it, uh, and how you could change your lifestyle uh, so you're not going the wrong way. Uh, and we have uh, we have it all laid out to you uh, how to do this in um, Chapter 7 of The Financial Physician, uh, Keeping Good Financial Records. All right, our phone number here is 732-237-9626. We're going to take a short break. My name is Luz Katigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Although customers were already going online more and more over the past five years, the amount of people doing business online has skyrocketed since the pandemic hit. Visit mylocalcustomers.com. Hi, Sean Michaels to tell you if you're a business owner here at the Jersey Shore, Town Square can help you find local customers online. Town Square can help you grow your business faster. Premium website services, new leads every day, no contracts, subscriptions you can cancel anytime. Visit mylocalcustomers.com. That's mylocalcustomers.com. For details. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income, that could be limitless. Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I'm Luz Katigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation, professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health, and most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday mornings, 7 to 9, for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, Registered Investment Advisory Service to afford Advisory Group. 
Call the Financial Physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right. Welcome back to The Financial Physician. We get together each and every Sunday live right here on 92.7 WOBM to talk money, markets, and politics. And if you're not an early riser or you go to church and you're not available or you miss part of the program, uh, go to our podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Paul puts it up right after the show's over, so our full two-hour program is available to you. And so many of you do take advantage of the podcast. That's the Financial Physician. Uh, .com. Love your emails, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. You have a personal finance question that I could help you with. Love those kind of emails where I could make a difference in your life or steer you in the right direction. Uh, real important, uh, if you want me to cover something on the show, let me know. You want to send me uh, articles and topics. I get that all the time. I appreciate that. Enjoy that. Uh, just uh, email me, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, com. Now, very, very important uh, information came out uh, over the holidays that I want to share with you regarding um, uh, a change in uh, retirement issues uh, in the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill shoved down our throats just prior to the end of uh, end of the year. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about politics in the second hour and what's going on in Washington. Very interesting week. Uh, uh, they have in that bill, and that's the thing about these omnibus, omnibus bills. It t- takes sometimes weeks to find out what's in them and how it affects them. But one thing that was in it, which is really good, is the SECURE 2.0 Act. Uh, SECURE has to do with retirement issues. And, you know, it increases the amount you could put in 401ks. It, it's, it sets up automatic enrollment in a 401k plan uh, at your company. You could opt out, of course, but, but it automatically enrolls you. There's a lot of different things in there that, that's pro-retirement and to get people to save more money for retirement. We talked in the opening about, you know, importance of putting money away for the future, building net worth. Well, this will allow you to do more and more of retirement planning. But a good thing is if you're already retired, this act increases the age where you have to start taking money out of retirement plans, also known as required minimum distributions or minimum required distributions. Uh, When you hit a certain age, the government says, all right, you know, you've been you've had this tax deferred retirement account for all these years. Now we want ours. Now you got to start taking money out and you got to start paying tax on it. And uh, up until two years ago, that was 70 and a half. The year you turned 70 and a half, I still don't understand the half year thing, but uh, 70 and a half, you had to start taking it. Uh, two years ago, it jumped to 72. So you didn't have to start taking money out of your IRA or your 401k to you was 72. Uh, starting this year, 2023. You don't have to start taking money out of your IRA or 401k until you're 73. So we got one more year before we are forced to take money out of our retirement plan. So if you thought, well, I'm turning 72 in 2023, I'm going to have to start taking money out of my retirement plan. That is not the case. And it really hasn't been heralded a lot. I haven't heard a lot in the news about it. I mean, you have to be a financial geek like me to really you know, know this happened. Because it's buried in 4,451 pages worth of other stuff that's in there. So that's a good thing. 
Why is it a good thing? Because many people don't need the money out of their IRA account. When they're forced to take it out, they got to pay tax on it. Many times that uh, makes their Social Security taxable. I mean, you have a million-dollar 401k plan. You know, the first year you take the money out, it may be $50,000. That's a little less than that, maybe forty. But that 40000 in income does a lot of things to you. It makes your Social Security taxable, at least 85% of it. Maybe it kicks you out of certain benefit programs that you may have been in, like the property tax freeze here in New Jersey. Many things are income-based. So when you're forced to take income that's taxable, it could have a lot of tangential ramifications. So that extra year is good. So if you're going to turn 72 this year in 2023, uh, you don't have to take money out of your retirement plans. Now, another change to the to the tax law was if you did not take your required minimum distribution, and I'm supposed to take out 10000 this year, you know, the hell with the IRS, I'm not taking it. You know what the penalty is for that? The penalty has been. of the amount you did not take out. So if you were supposed to take out $10,000 and you didn't take it out, you're going to owe a penalty of $5,000 to the IRS. They're not messing around here. They want you to do it. They want their taxes. And if you don't do it, that was a penalty. Well, in in their generosity, starting in 2023, they dropped the penalty to 25%. Now, I don't know anybody, you know, as a, as a certified financial planner with 500 clients. I mean, we don't allow them. I wouldn't say allow them. We make sure that they don't miss their RMDs. I mean, I'm their accountant in most cases, and I'm also their financial planner. You know, Evelyn, my assistant, makes sure that every one of our clients satisfies their RMDs. Uh, so we don't have that issue here, but you know, I don't know of too many people who who got hit with this fifty percent penalty because I don't know anybody who who purposely doesn't take it out. And I've had some clients, new clients, come to me who have not taken it out the previous year. They forgot, or they had some health issues or uh, some other things in their lives that they didn't take it out. We rectify it immediately, and we take it out as soon as we know. And when the IRS comes to us and say, you know, you didn't take it out, here's your penalty, uh, we'll send them a letter saying the reasons why we didn't take it out as soon as we found out, it was rectified, and and almost all the time the IRS will waive the penalty. So I don't know too many people paying that 50%, and probably not the 25% either that they lowered it to. Uh, but if it's remedied in a time, timely manner, the IRS says we're only going to hit you for a 10% penalty. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Now, by uh, 2033, uh, 10 years from now, they're going to raise it to 75. I mean, that's pretty far out, uh, which is a good development. Uh, Actually, it'll affect me. I turned 73 in 2033. (laughs) So I would normally have to take my RMD that year. uh, But now it's jumping to 75. So I don't have to take it to two years later. So I'll benefit by that somewhere down the line. So important changes to to people. So if you don't need the money out of your IRA, don't go running to take your distribution in January here when you don't have to take it. 
another thing in the new year here, um, uh, standard deductions are going up because they're based on inflation. We know last year was a big inflation year, right? So uh, now we're going to be doing our 2022 returns. We're going to be talking a lot about taxes as we get closer to tax season here. Uh, but a lot of people send me emails, Lou, do I have to file taxes? These especially retired people that, that aren't making a lot of money. I want to give you the standard deduction amounts. And if your income is less than the standard deduction amount, you don't have to file. So for 2022, the returns that we're going to be doing in the next few months, if you're single, 12950 So if you have less than 12950 of taxable income, not counting Social Security if it's not taxable, taxable income, uh, your, your income is going to go to zero. You don't have to file. If you're married filing jointly, that's 25900 Now, if you recall, a couple of years ago, the IRS did away with personal exemptions and just doubled the standard deduction. So whereas many people who used to itemize deductions deduct their real estate taxes and their mortgage interest and their charitable contributions, the standard deduction is so high that most families don't itemize anymore. As a matter of fact, 90% of tax filers take the standard deduction, which makes it easier in your record keeping and having to come up with all these these receipts and everything. Uh, and that's going up in 2023. Now, if you're, if you're a senior, 65 years or older, you can claim an additional $1,400 if you're married. So $1,400 each. So that's $2,800 on top of $2,500. So almost $30,000 a year in income, taxable income, you could earn without having to file a tax return or pay any taxes. <clears throat> now, in 2023, just so you know, you know, for planning purposes, it's going up a lot just due to inflation. So if you're single, it's going from $12,950 to $13,850, $900 more. If you're married filing jointly, it goes from twenty five nine to twenty seven seven, uh, and if you're over sixty five, you can add an additional fifteen hundred per person uh, on top of that. So that's over thirty thousand dollars for a re- retired person. So uh, these are things you need to know. Uh, I always get the, these emails, Lou. Do I have to file taxes? Do I have to file taxes? Well, you know, it depends. Now, if you have income from other sources like capital gains. You got to file a tax return, even though you may not owe any taxes because the IRS doesn't know what your profit is. So you can't say, well, I don't have to file because my income is not going to be over that. Well, that has to be quantified. So if you have any financial transactions that result in capital gains or losses, you got to file a tax return. If you have income from rent, you have a rental property, you have to file a tax return. Again, you may not have to pay any taxes, but you have to quantify the profit on that property. And there's a few other uh, instances where you'd have to file a tax return. Another thing, uh, new thing for the new year, good thing is Social Security checks are, are now starting to come in, starting January 11th. Today's the 8th. So this week, uh, Americans are going to first get their first uh, increased Social Security payment up 8.7% over last year. The highest payment you can get in Social Security is 4194 a month. A new record high. But this is a pretty significant increase. A lot of people are going to be uh, very, very happy to see an average of $140 extra 
uh, in their direct deposit this month. Now, some people are going to be a lot more depending on how much you earn. I mean, obviously, if you're getting a thousand a month on Social Security, it's eighty dollars more a month. If you get three thousand in Social Security, well, eight point seven percent is going to be more like three hundred a month. So it's all relative. Another good thing is is actually Medicare Part B payments are going down five bucks. Highly unusual situation. So that's a good thing. Uh, we are in a new year now. What does that mean? It uh, also means you can go out and buy some U.S. Uh, Treasury I-bonds right now. I-bonds have uh, uh, been very popular in 2022 because all the way up to November 1st, you were getting 9.62% if you bought an I-bond. For six months, that was your annual rate of return. Uh, that's dropped slightly to 6.89% between November 1st and May 1st of, of this year. Uh, still very high. Uh, so the way the the rule works, you can only buy $10,000 per year per Social Security number. So you could have bought $10,000 worth of I-bonds in October and locked in that 9.62% for six months. And now that it's 2023, you could buy another 10000 of I-bonds. Well, that 10000 is going to be 6.89% for the next six months. But you don't have to wait 12 months to buy your second trance of $10,000. You could have bought $10,000 December 30th and bought $10,000 January 2nd. Uh, and you just go online to treasurydirect.com, set up an account, link it to your bank account, and you could buy, you don't have to buy 10000 you can buy as much as you want or as little as you want, up to $10,000. So uh, I did that for some clients that aren't computer savvy this week. They called me up, and I you know I did it for them. Uh, I bought them their their ten thousand dollars in their uh, their I bonds, and uh, you know if you have the extra cash, it makes sense. Now it would be nicer if we could do more than that, where it really makes a difference in our lives. But uh, it's still a good thing. Where else can you get risk free return on your money uh, uh, at that rate? You can't. Uh, this week, the most uh, awaited economic report comes out, the monthly report on jobs. Everybody waits for this. Wall Street uh, is very uh, keen to this number, although I don't know why, because it's the most fudge number out there. It's not even real. Uh, but Wall Street looks at this, especially now, because we want to see how's the economy doing, because if it's too strong, the Federal Reserve is, is going to keep rising interest rates because it's inflationary. Uh, and uh, economists expected about 200,000 jobs to be added in December. Uh, the number came out 223,000, higher than expected. And unemployment rate fell from 3.7 to 3.5. Now, if you believe this, i got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. I mean, really. Uh, all we're hearing... Every uh, headline, and I'm in a financial business, so I, I read financial news all the time, is layoffs on top of layoffs on top of layoffs. In the tech sector, 150,000 jobs have been lost just in the last couple of months. Amazon, of all companies, came out last week and announced 18,000 layoffs. Uh, how does the unemployment rate drop from th- uh, 3.7 to 3.5? Now, if you look under the hood here, and, and this is the thing, this is why I say this is so fudged, uh, because they can make this number anything, any way they want with seasonal adjustments and birth death model and all kinds of stuff. But the bottom line is, is almost all these jobs were part-time jobs. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, full-time jobs in December dropped by 1,000. Part-time jobs jumped almost 700,000. So is that a good labor number? No, because you know, obviously part-time jobs don't have benefits, don't pay a lot. And a lot of these people, this is people's second and third job. So it's not like an unemployed person is getting a job. It's a person that's employed that can't pay the bills due to inflation that had to go out and get a second or sometimes third job. And these are part-time jobs. Uh, and this is a really big problem. Now, you would think that, you know, at first when this job numbers came out, I thought, well, the markets are going to tank on this because it's too strong. You know, we want to see negative job creation. We want to see the Fed start really worrying about a recession. We, we, we don't want to see strong job numbers if you're concerned about interest rates anyway. And, of course, the market is so attuned to interest rates. That's their lifeblood, right? Uh, and then when, uh, you know, investors looked under the hood here and saw that most of these jobs are crappy part-time jobs, while full-time jobs are, are non-existent, at least the creation of it. The market's reality. As a matter of fact, uh, the Dow was up 700 points on Friday. Now, why would that be the case? Well, because the market felt that, hey, this is pretty weak. And then maybe we are entering a recession. Maybe maybe the Fed will slower their interest rate increases. Maybe the Fed will stop raising interest rates quicker than thought. And the uh, stocks rallied, bonds rallied, and we had a pretty good first week of the year after a dreadful 2022. So uh, I think the Dow was up about two, uh, one point one and a half percent for the week. Uh, S and P and the Nasdaq uh, up about two percent for the week. So a good start of 2023. And most of that gain was Friday after that that number came out. And there's no question that the economy is slowing. There's no question that we're either in a recession or headed for a really bad one. And it's all a result of the aggressive uh, Federal Reserve who've been raising interest rates very aggressively to battle what they said was originally transitory inflation, which is anything but transitory. Uh, and it's had a negative effect on the economy. It's had a negative effect on certainly financial markets. And uh, the big concern in the markets and the economy is that the Fed's going to overreact. They're going to raise interest rates too much. And due to the fact that there's a major lag time as much as six months to a year for an interest rate increase to be felt in the economy, uh, that the economy is going to crash. Uh, and then the Fed uh, will be behind the eight ball. So anything that shows, um, uh, you know, it's kind of perverse that bad news is good news for the markets. The worse the economy looks, the better for the financial markets. That's how that's how disjointed markets have become. Uh, back in the day, when I was uh, young uh, and in this business. Uh, Recessions weren't good for markets. Uh, slowing economy wasn't good for markets. Uh, rising unemployment wasn't good for markets. But in this perverse uh, Alice in Wonderland world, it, it is. Bad news is good news. 
because it means it may force the Federal Reserve to uh, ease money policy again. And that's that's the cocaine the market needs, lower interest rates, printing money, monetary inflation, which is what the Fed's going to return to uh, uh, once it becomes obvious that this economy is in a deep recession, which we're going to see in the next three to six months. We're going to see that. Uh, there's always lag time, you know, it always, you know, they always find out, well, the, the recession really started last August, um, but we're just, uh, just seeing it now. Anyway, top of the hour, 732-237-9626 is the call number if you want to be part of our program. My name's Luce Katigna. Don't go away. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, welcome to the second hour of our two-hour broadcast here on The Financial Physician. We get together each and every Sunday live right here in 92.7 WOBM. 7 to 9 a.m. each and every Sunday morning or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com where the podcast is available right after the show. So if you're just getting up now and tuning to the program, or you're driving down the parkway on your way to AC and uh, you stumble upon our program, go to thefinancialphysician.com, listen to the entire uh, two-hour broadcast. Uh, the podcast is great because you don't have to listen to the full two hours all at once. You could skip ahead and... Uh, past areas that you've listened to already, or if you want to hear something again, you can go right to it, uh, right at thefinancialphysician.com. Go to the radio show tab, click on it, and you'll see the link to the most uh, recent podcast. Um, last two weeks, uh, we uh, did podcast only. We were not live here on 92.7 due to the holidays. Uh, so if you missed those shows, those are our 2022 review show uh, and our 2023 forecast show. It's available on the website at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, also, uh, I ask you to please share the link and um, the show. Uh, that's how we grow. Uh, we talk about things on this program that you're not going to get elsewhere. We try to uh, um, fill the two-hour program with as much information as we can. We talk money, markets, politics, and, and, and anything that affects your life here on the Financial Physician, love your emails, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, anything you want to talk to me about on that email is fine. You have a personal finance question, just want to say hello, you just want to tell, say you don't like me, that's fine too. Uh, Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, and if you want to be part of the program, you got a financial question or comment uh, on anything we talk about here, 732 237 Nine six two six is the call in number. Now we've got a lot to talk about political wise uh, in this hour. Uh, history being made in Washington with the speaker and all that stuff. But um, I opened the show talking about how financial markets did horribly 
in 2022. Uh, Not just negative, not just a bear market, the worst stock and bond market since 1871. Not 1971, 1871. And it blew my mind when I saw that article that explained it. Not just the stock market. I'm saying when you combine performances of the stock market and the the bond market, you had the worst portfolio returns since 1871. Uh, Let that sink in for a second. But you know who didn't have the worst performance in their portfolio since 1871? Congress. Members of Congress beat the S&P 500 again. How about that? I think it's time to start banning stock trading for members of Congress, don't you think? So despite the market having uh, the worst year since, well, the stock market since 2008, the last financial crisis, but stocks and bonds combined since 1871. Democrats and Republicans did really well. On average, now this information is public, so there's ways of finding this out. On average, Democrats were only down 1.76% for 2022. Stock market was down, S&P down 20 almost, NASDAQ down 30-something, bond market down 20-something percent. But Democrats were only down 1.76%. Republicans were up 0.38%. So for all intents and purposes, congressional portfolios were unchanged in the year that you and me and everybody else got creamed. How does that happen? Well, you know how that happens. It's called inside information. And they have a list here of different people in Congress and how they did. I don't know who all these people are. Um, You know, there's what? How many people? Almost 500 people in Congress. So, you know, a lot of these people are pretty much anonymous except for their local districts. Many of these congressional people uh, don't even make it to big committees, uh, aren't on TV. You know, there's an elite group, which we'll talk more about, but that you always hear their names. They're always on Hannity. They're always on, 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 on the news. They're chairmen of committees or they're powerful people in Congress. And it, it takes years before you go up the, the chain of power uh, where, uh, you know, you're influential. Many people go to Congress are just so anonymous, it's, it's, it's not funny. They're not even on committees and, and whatnot. It's a nice way to make a living, I guess. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll run for Congress. Anyway, here's some members of Congress and what they did. Patrick Fallon, I don't know who this is. He made 51% in his portfolio last year. <laughs> in the year where we all got killed. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, we know who she is, right? How this woman is still in Congress, I don't know. She made 51% in her portfolio. Susie Lee, 21%. David Joyce, 13.6%. And on and on and on. So many of them had a positive return. Defense stocks were a moneymaker for members of Congress. How about that? Both Democrats and Republicans made money buying defense stocks. At the same time, voting for billions and billions of dollars of military aid to Ukraine. How is this legal? Uh, And I'm looking at the top 15 
Congress critters uh, and how much money they made in defense stocks. 40%, At the same time, voting on massive appropriations of military aid to Ukraine. One congressional critter, the crittiest of critters, um, Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi lost money. She was one of the worst performing portfolios of all congressional people, you would think that she'd have one of the best. Well, she did have one of the best in 20 and 21. Uh, but she lost money uh, in 2022, betting on certain tech stocks, something like that. So it's basically legal for congressional people in Congress to insider trade. If you or I traded on inside information, we'd go to jail. <laughs> or at least we, we we would be fined quite a bit. Uh, but if you're elite, if you're a political class, especially if you're a Democrat, uh, you get away with murder. But uh, but you could trade on inside information. Nice. So as I mentioned earlier, it looks like the economy's falling off a cliff, and uh, that's going to be pretty obvious to people in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, and uh, here are some information that, that'll tell you that. The Baltic index crashes most on record as recession alarm flashes. What's the Baltic index? The Baltic dry bulk sea freight index is basically the cost of shipping a container around the world. So say you have a container full of products that you had manufactured in China and it's going to go across the Pacific. It's going to come to, to, to the port of Long Beach or, or Los Angeles. Uh, how much does it cost to ship that container? Well, in one day last week, just one day, it dropped 17.5%. Now, it was close to $10,000 a container just months ago. It dropped 17.5% one day to $1,250. The most significant daily decline since 1984, in one day. Uh, And this comes uh, just days after the IMF uh, director came out and said that a third of the global economy is going to be in recession this year. So this is a warning sign. When you start seeing global trade dry up like this, it's one of the best indicators of, of worldwide recession. And when uh, you have globe uh, trade slowing down, it's because of demand. It was also announced this week that our trade deficit dropped a lot. Well, that sounds like it would be a good thing, right? Well, it's really not. It just means that we're not importing anything. Our imports went down a lot. Well, that goes hand in hand with the dry Baltic index, right? I mean, if we're not importing anything, the price to ship things are going to go down. And we're not importing things because people aren't buying them. Pretty significant indicator of a slowing economy, wouldn't you say? Uh, And it's a precursor of what we're going to see um, later on. And a lot of... uh, this is a recession. I've never seen so many entities and individuals predicting a recession. 
in 40 years of doing this. Usually recessions sneak up on you. Uh, but everybody's predicting a recession this year. Uh, and it's an easy thing to do because just look at some of these economic information that's come out. Uh, like I said, the IMF says we expect one-third of the world economy to be in recession. Even countries that are not in recession, it will feel like a recession for hundreds of millions of people. Bloomberg reports economists say there's a 7 in 10 likelihood that the U.S. economy will sink into recession this year. The World Bank, as central banks across the world simultaneously hike interest rates in response to inflation, the world may be edging toward a global recession in 2023 and a string of financial crises in emerging markets and developing economies that would do them lasting harm, according to the World Bank. Noriel Rubini, an economist, came out and said, this is going to be a long, not a shallow recession and not a short recession. It's going to be deep and protracted. Michael Burry, uh, who wrote the book, The, the Big Short, if you ever saw that movie about uh, shorting mortgage bonds back in the, in the crisis 2008, boy, did he get that right and got rich on it. He came out and said, uh, inflation peaked. But it's not the last peak of this cycle. We are likely to see CPI lower, possibly negative, in the second half of 2023, and the U.S. in recession by any definition. The Fed will cut and government will stimulate and we'll have another inflation spike. It's not hard. Now, that's kind of what I said last week on our um, my prediction and my forecast for 2023. Uh, and if you didn't hear that, you have to go to the financialphysician.com and listen to it. It's a podcast only show we had last week. It's almost two hours long. I go over all aspects, uh, of the economy, the markets, politics, geopolitics, uh, in that show. Uh, so you want to go there to the financialphysician.com, download last week's show, listen to it. And I said, I said, what's going to happen is, the Fed's raising interest rates in the first half of this year, something's going to break. The stock market or the financial institution uh, or the economy is just going to pound down hard. Something's going to happen that's going to spook the Federal Reserve to reverse course by mid-year. I'm not sure what that's going to be. And it could be anywhere in the world. It could be Deutsche Bank. It could be Credit Suisse. It could just be that the markets implode, and the Fed's going to lower interest rates dramatically. And we may even see a, a period of deflation later this year. And this is exactly what Michael Burry is saying. He said, we're likely to see CPI lower, possibly negative. And I think that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. And the Fed's going to reverse themselves. They're going to start printing money. They're going to do quantitative easing. They're going to bring interest rates back to zero. And then the inflation we see in 2024 is going to make 2022 look tame. Um, we look at um, real estate. Uh, sales of luxury homes fell 38% year over year during the three months ending November 30th, 2022. The biggest decline on record. We haven't seen anything like this since 2008. And uh, we all remember what the housing crash of 2008, uh, 2008 ultimately did to the stock market. Uh, 
And what really killed the stock market in 2008 was the mortgage bonds. You know, people think that when you go get a mortgage, you go to, you go to Wells Fargo, you get a mortgage, uh, and Wells Fargo holds that debt. It's not the way it works. When a, a bank or a, a non-bank issues a mortgage, they sell that mortgage and they get their money back. They make the fees to initiate it. That's the business. You know, so many so many mortgages now are initiated not by banks, but by mortgage companies. They borrow the money, they lend it to you in a mortgage, they make the the closing fees, and then they sell the mortgage to Fannie Mae or to Wall Street, and they get their money back and they go do it again. And that's what kept mortgage rates so low was that cycling going on. And all those mortgages now have been securitized. They're all wrapped up in bonds, and they're in pension plans. They're in insurance companies. They're in hedge funds. They're in portfolios. So what happens when housing crashes, people stop paying their mortgages, unemployment rises, foreclosures go up. You have the same exact problem we had in 2008 times 10. So you could see how a housing market could cause a financial market crash in of itself. And I think it's going to be worse in 2008. And the Fed's continuing to raise interest rates uh, and trying to make it happen. That's the ironic thing about all this is that the Fed's doing this. The Fed is committing suicide, national suicide here. And who's going to pay the price for it? It's not the rich. It's the middle class. That are having to deal with A, inflation, B, rising interest rates, falling housing prices. If you're a realtor, you're a real estate agent, you don't want to hear this headline. 30% of all realtors could quit during the housing crash. Concerns over plunging home sales leading to a real estate agent exodus could be an emerging trend in 2023. The number of agents has exceeded the peak in the mid-2000s boom. But one real estate consulting firm believes hundreds of thousands of agents could quit and find other jobs as turmoil plagues the interest rate-sensitive industry. Uh, Sure it is. I mean, look, if you can't sell houses because they're not selling... How are you going to make a living? Maybe we'll see uh, many of these real estate agents going back to uh, whatever they did before that. Again, interest rate sensitive. And again, this is being done by the Federal Reserve. Now, remember we were talking for years and years about negative yielding debt, negative interest rates. You bought a bond in Germany... You put $10,000 in there, and your rate of return was minus a half a percent. So so you're paying for the privilege of lending money to the German government. I mean, this was insane when it started in 2014. And it went on for eight years. We're around the world. We had as much as something like, what, $18 trillion in bonds, had negative yields at one point. Now, 
for the first time, last week, for the first time since then, there is not one bond with a negative yield on it. Because worldwide, interest rates have been going up. What happens when interest rates go up, right? Uh, I mean, we're seeing it across the board. Japanese debt this week finally went positive. And for the first time since 2014, there is no negative yielding bonds in the world. So sanity has come back to the bond market uh, after eight years of insanity. I mean, before 2014, um, very few people would ever thought that negative yielding debt would ever be a concept. But for the first time, last week was the first time since 2014 that we didn't have uh, negative yielding debt. All right, we're going to shift gears. Let's take a break. We're going to shift gears. We're going to talk about this uh, very historical week in Washington, uh, what it means for uh, for Congress, for the Republican Party, for all of us. Uh, very, very interesting historic dynamic going on in politics here in the United States, and we're going to talk about that after the break. 237-9626 is the call number if you want to join our program. My name is Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Although customers were already going online more and more over the past five years, the amount of people doing business online has skyrocketed since the pandemic hit. Visit mylocalcustomers.com. Hi, Sean Michaels to tell you if you're a business owner here at the Jersey Shore, Town Square can help you find local customers online. Town Square can help you grow your business faster. Premium website services, new leads every day, no contracts, subscriptions you can cancel anytime. Visit mylocalcustomers.com. That's mylocalcustomers.com. For details. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income, that could be limitless. Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I'm Luz Katigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation, professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health, and most importantly, lower your 
financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or planning to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday mornings, 7 to 9, for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service through Fortitude Advisory Group. Call the Financial Physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, miss any of our program, go to thefinancialphysician.com where the podcast will be up 10 minutes after the show's over. Uh, so we can go there and listen to the entire program, especially if you miss any of our program. First hour tends to be uh, chock full of financial stuff. Uh, we talked about the importance of record keeping and doing net worth statements and a budget in the new year. Uh, second half of the show tends to be more political and current event oriented. Uh, so uh, many of you tune in for the financial stuff. Many, many of you tune in for the political stuff. Uh, you can zip right to where you want to be uh, at thefinancialphysician.com, and you can listen to the podcast. Again, always appreciate you sharing it on social media, putting the link up on certain forums that you go to, or emailing the link uh, to friends and family uh, who may benefit by uh, our two-hour podcast. That's thefinancialphysician.com. If you missed uh, our last two weeks uh because we weren't broadcasting live here on 92.7. We had two really important shows that were podcast only, uh, the 2022 review show, and uh, last week my um, 2023 forecast show. You're not going to want to miss that. Available at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, and we love your emails. Uh, anything I could help you with, a personal finance question that you have regarding your own your own life, there to help you with it, uh, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Or if you have something you want me to cover on the show, um, feel free to send that uh, to me at the financial physician, uh, Lou at the financial physician dot com. Uh, where do I want to go here? Um, uh, today, um, well, let's start off with this. Uh, this week was an historic week uh, in Washington where uh, the Republicans, after narrowly winning the House, in what is can only be described as the most fraudulent congressional election in history. Uh, how does uh, a party that's not in power uh, not, you know, get tremendous amount of seats in, in the House and, and in the Senate? Uh, normally, uh, the party out of power uh, gets about six Senate seats and 30 to 40 uh, House seats. Here we have a president with the lowest approval rating ever, the highest inflation of 40 years. Uh, we can go on and on an open border, which we'll talk about in a section. And the, the House was barely won by the uh, the Republicans, and, and, and the Republicans lost one seat in the Senate. How does that happen? You know how it happened. Um, voter fraud is endemic now in America. But anyway, so the Republicans having the majority uh, now have to elect a speaker of the House. Usually this is a a one vote thing. As a matter of fact, we have not gone past one vote, I think, in 100 years, something like that. Right. Uh, Well, this week it took four days, 15 votes, uh, a lot of arm twisting and a lot of concessions for Kevin McCarthy to become speaker of the House. That happened late Friday night. Uh, and uh, there's significant ramifications to this. 
Now, first off, why was it so hard for Kevin McCarthy to become Speaker of the House? Of course, I think the the survey was uh, 49% of Republicans don't want him to be Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy is an establishment elite rhino, Republican in name only. And, and, And conservatives know that. It's more of the same of we've had in Washington, the uniparty, the Republicans and Democrats at the highest level are all the same. They're all part of this big club. They're all in the pockets of the lobbyists and the special interest groups. And Americans, especially conservative Republican Americans, want to change. We don't want omnibus spending bills to drop at 1.30 in the morning with 4,400 pages of all kinds of pork in it to be voted on without any review. We want to change. And Kevin McCarthy is anything but change. Now, having said that, 200 of Republican congressmen wanted Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. But there was 20 who didn't. These are conservatives led by Matt Goetz who were never Kevin McCarthy voters. They just didn't want him. They wanted somebody else, but there was nobody else to be had. They, they floated some names. They floated Jim Jordan. Uh, but those 200 were in budget. And the 20 were in budget. So it was kind of like uh, ridiculous to watch these votes over and over again go exactly the same way. <laughs> and it, it, it was pretty tedious to watch on TV. But at the same token, it was pretty fascinating. Uh, being a political animal that I am, I watched almost every vote. <laughs> I should get a life. Uh, but um, and it never changed. It was the same, the same people saying no. Uh, and it went on and on to the delight of the Democrats who uh, delighted in watching the Republicans tear themselves apart. And I, I, I had no problem with it. I thought it was democracy in action. Now, of course, the the press, especially uh, uh, Fox News and, and and the establishment Republicans, the Sean Hannity's of the world, uh, uh, the Newt Gingrich's of the world, they were all freaking out how crazy it was that these twenty wouldn't vote for Kevin McCarthy. I had no problem with it. Oh, the the business of Congress can't go forward. We can't do investigations until we get this done. Come on, it was four days. Big deal. Congress is in recess half the time anyway. So you're trying to tell me that a delay like this uh, was going to prevent us from investigating Hunter Biden? Come on, it's ridiculous. But they were going nuts. And that tells you everything you need to know about Kevin McCarthy. He is a critter. He is the swamp. Even President Trump came out and pushed. As a matter of fact, Trump was very instrumental, especially on the last vote. He called Matt Gates and others and told them. He came out and told them that, 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 that they should just vote president if they don't want to vote for him, just so there was less people in it and it'd take one less vote to get him through. And they finally did. And, and and McCarthy came out and specifically thanked President Trump for getting him over the finish line. 
So I guess Trump still holds some sway. Now, he came out early on, I think by the second vote, and said, you know, uh, the Republicans should back uh, McCarthy. And then when McCarthy lost the third vote, all the Democrats are out there. See, see, see. And not only the Democrats, the, the never Trumpers either on the Republican side came out and say, oh, Trump's lost it. He has no influence. Well, he sure had influence at the end, though. It made the difference. And McCarthy said it. But anyway, it was a spectacle. Uh, uh, and um, it almost came down to blows <laughs> late Friday night. Uh, with one uh, Republican congressman going after Getz and he had to be held back and it was said that he was probably drinking that guy and he couldn't take it anymore. And, you know, to sit through this, if you watch this, you know, you can't just vote. They have to call each person's name. So they got to go through 420-something, whatever it was, uh, Congress people and ask them their vote. And they had to be there to vote. And it keeps coming out the same way. It just goes to show you, you can't rig an election when you have voter ID and no mail-in ballots, right? <laughs> you can't rig it. Uh, so uh, I knew he was going to get through. It just matter what he had to give away to do it. And he had to give away the House. I mean, Kevin McCarthy, uh, as Speaker of the House in name only, he's been totally neutered. I don't think we've had a, a Speaker of the House with less power uh, that Kevin McCarthy has right now. He's given it away. He had to. Otherwise, he would not be speaker. Now, is this good or bad? We'll, we'll see as it, as it goes forward. But uh, finally, he gave enough away uh, to get the votes he needed. So here is uh, some of the, 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 the negotiated uh, things that were given away. Now, the devil's always in the details, so we have to see how this plays itself out. Uh, but it will only take a single congressperson acting in what is known as the Jeffersonian motion to move to remove the speaker if he goes back on his word on the policy agenda. So anybody, Matt Getz, anybody, if they feel that McCarthy isn't doing what they want him to do, which is right, right conservative stuff. One person could bring him back there and go through this all over again. And he won't survive. Because if these 10 or 20 people just band together and say, hey, he was everything we thought he'd be and worse. He's not going to become speaker again. He's going to be he's going to be out. And I think this is going to happen. Because Kevin McCarthy is part of the swamp. And, and these 20 are fiscal uh, conservatives. They don't want to raise the debt ceiling without without cuts. We'll talk about that in a second. It's going to be tough to govern uh, the way the, the this Congress is made up. He also uh, is going to establish a, a church-style committee uh, to look into the weaponization of the FBI and other government organizations like the CIA against the American people. Uh, term limits are going to be put to a vote. Yeah, that may pass. Yeah, I'm going to vote to put myself out of work. Uh, that's not happening. But at least there'll be a vote on it. That's a step in the right direction, right? Now we'll know where everybody stands on it, if nothing else. Bills presented to Congress will be single subject, not omnibus, with all the attended earmarks. And there'll be a 72-hour minimum period to read them. Well, that makes sense. 
Think about it. this last $1.7 trillion bill that was passed. Came out at 1.30 in the morning. It was voted on a couple of days later. Who has, who has the time to read 4,451 pages? And you know what? You vote for everything or you vote for nothing. So it's all or none. You can't take something out. You can't say, well, I'm against voting for this. You got to vote for all of it or the government shuts down. And then when you run for, for re-election, your opponent's going to say, Joe Blow voted against this. Well, no, I didn't vote against that. I voted against everything else that was in the bill. But that's not the way it works. So I think it's quite reasonable to have a 72-hour period to analyze a bill before you vote on it. And single subject, not everything in one bill. That's the way it always used to be. The Texas border plan will be put before Congress. The four-pronged plan aims to complete physical border infrastructure, fix border enforcement policies, enforce our laws in the interior, and target cartels and criminal organizations. Sure, they'll vote for that. It won't get through the, uh, the Senate, though. Just remember, the Senate has a majority of Democrats. COVID mandates will be ended, as will all funding for them, including the so-called, quote-unquote, emergency funding that's still in place. Budget bills would stop the endless increases in debt ceiling and hold the Senate accountable for the same. In response to the outcome, uh, Representative Lauren Boebert, one of the 20, um, one of the holdouts, said in a statement that the anti-McCarthy reps, quote, change the way the government will be funded and change the way committees will be formed. Also, um, it appears that uh, these conservative holdouts are going to get seats on the House Rules Committee. Why is that important? The Rules Committee is very powerful. The committee exerts unbelievable power in Congress by setting the terms of debate, deciding what amendments can be added to draft legislation, determining what gets to the floor to be voted on or what's blocked. And the Rules Committee usually acts as a tool of the speaker. But given that there's going to be more representation by conservatives on on that committee, it's not going to be a rubber stamp for whatever the speaker wants. The Rules Committee for, for Pelosi, whatever she wanted, she got. And that's the thing about the Democrats. They don't have, yeah, there was AOC and her group. Uh, that was a thorn in the side of Pelosi, but ultimately Pelosi won, as usual. Uh, but the Rules Committee is going to fight um, Speaker McCarthy on almost everything. Very, very powerful. So uh, McCarthy is uh, pretty much neutered here. Who are the winners and losers in this? Um, well, I'll tell you um, who the winners were. These 20 holdouts, these 20 holdouts that were pressured, uh, they were demeaned. They were called white supremacists. They were even called called racist. <laughs> they were called racist on, on CNN for not voting McCarthy in. How did, everything, everybody's racist if you don't go with the, with the narrative, what uh, everybody wants. Uh, 
So uh, these people were the winners. They're heroes all, in my opinion. It's about time we saw Washington change. And this, this, this was a big deal. Now, are they going to be persecuted now within the Congress? Probably. They probably won't get committee seats and they'll be ostracized. We'll see what happens there. But just remember, all it takes is one of them to recall McCarthy and he's done. That's a lot of power. So McCarthy's on a really short leash. But Kevin McCarthy's a winner, too. I mean, he didn't bow out. There was a lot of talk that maybe this isn't going to happen and someone else is going to have to step up, and he didn't. And he fought to the end. Now he needs to fight Democrats. I mean, he may be pro-China, pro-big tech, anti-free speech, arrogant. But he stuck there and he won, so you got to give him credit. Matt Gates, another big winner. He proved his stand with the American people. He wouldn't budge. He got extreme pressure, including from President Trump. <laughs> Mike Rogers almost tried to uh, to get into a fight with him. Uh, but Matt Getz walks out of here looking like a, a very powerful guy in Washington. Who else was winners? The Democrats. They always stick together. You see that? Hakeem Jeffries, always 212 votes. Not one against them. That's the difference between the Democrats and Republicans. Nobody goes off the reservation, Democrats. Uh, So who are the losers in all this? Well, one loser I see here is Jim Jordan. This is the guy I was hoping would be Speaker of the House. I love Jim Jordan. He's great. This was his opportunity. He really, really could have, if he stepped up and said he wanted it, I think uh, he had a good chance of becoming speaker, but he didn't want it. Uh, hopefully his day will come in the future. Uh, but he just wanted to be, uh, he told everybody, back back McCarthy, back McCarthy. He just wants to be chairman at, uh, of the Judiciary Committee, which is he is. Um, and he, uh, uh, that's a very powerful position. Who else was a loser? The Republican Swamp. Uh, it's amazing how 21 House members uh, were able to to, to to stop McCarthy uh, from being, he's the leader, but in name only. Uh, and uh, there's other lose. Uh, who's, is, how about Donald Trump? I'm undecided about that. I don't know if he's a winner or loser there. I don't know. Uh, if there wasn't enough... Um, Reasons not to send your children to college and to go into debt and uh, to be indoctrinated. Uh, Hillary Clinton has been hired as a professor at Columbia University. (laughs) Uh, If American uh, higher education wasn't already completely left, uh, she's going to teach at the School of International and Public Affairs. Uh, she should, uh, <laughs> public affairs, uh, Columbia said, uh, Columbia's commitment to educating the next generation of policy leaders and helping to address some of the world's most pressing challenges resonates personally with me. Clinton said on Twitter, 
Given her extraordinary talents and capacities, together with her singular life experiences, this is from Columbia. Hillary Clinton is unique and most importantly exceptional in what she can bring to the university's missions of research and teaching. Along with public service and engagement for the public good, said Columbia President Lee Bollinger. You know what she should be teaching? She should be teaching criminal justice and how to avoid it. <laughs> That's what she should teach. She should be in jail. Uh, but she's going to teach uh, God, why anybody would want to um, send their kids. <laughs> yeah, I'll send them to Columbia. Uh, sure, we'll do that. Uh, what else? Let's see here. All right, so today, uh, finally... Joe Biden is going to go to the border. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess he's running for president again. Uh, and he's got to make the optics finally. I don't know what took him so long. Why was it such a problem to go? I mean, I never understood the political issue here. Why, 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 why not go? I mean, how do you harm it? Now, of course, they could take him to Des Moines, Iowa, and he'd think he's in El Paso. He wouldn't even know he's at the border. Looks pretty good here. I don't see what the problem is. Do you see how they're cleaning up all the all the homeless on the streets there now? They're trying to get rid of all the immigrants. So what's the purpose of that? Uh, it's just all a photo op. But meanwhile, he came out this week and he says he's going to offer 30000 a month asylum. Did you hear about this? He's going to offer for people, Cubans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans. All you got to do is go online and fill out a questionnaire of why you're oppressed in your country. And you'll be given a pass to come to the United States. You don't have to sneak in now. 30000 a month. Is this not amnesty? This is, this is nuts. He says, do not. Don't just show up at the border. Apply legally. Uh, I don't know a law that was passed that allows this. Does the president have the, the, the legal authority to do this? Yeah, 30000 a month. Just come on in. Just go go and apply online. We'll give you a pass. You don't have to sneak in. And when you get here, um, you can work legally. Uh, you got you to gotta pass a background check, though. Oh, okay. He goes, now the process will be orderly. It's safe and humane, and it works. Unbelievable. And, you know, whenever they talk about the problems at the border, especially this Pierre or whatever her name is, I always forget her name. Corrine Jean-Pierre. Oh, by the way, you know she's gay, she's black, and you know she's an immigrant, right? Check, check, check. So that's why she is um, press secretary. That's her qualifications anyway. Uh, but they keep talking about, well, the Republicans, this president is offered, you know, a groundbreaking immigration reform. Uh, and if only the Republicans would, would be part of that. Well, immigration reform is another name for amnesty. That's what it is. Uh, and this 30000 a month asylum thing uh, is amnesty. So, uh, you know, uh, she's asked all the time uh, about um, border security. It's usually by uh, uh, Peter Ducey, uh, who's the only one really to ask hard questions in the, the White House press briefing. Uh, but listen to what she says about immigration when asked about it. Does anybody around here think that the southern border is secure? What I can tell you is this is a president has been working since day one uh, to work on border security. 
to make an immigration a priority. That's why he put forth a comprehensive immigration uh, reform plan, legislation. And here's, here's the thing. As the president is coming forward and trying to come up with solutions, the difference here is that you have Republicans, as you know, who are doing political stunts. And, you know, and we've called that out over and over and over again. And the president is willing, is willing to work uh, with Congress, Republicans, Democrats, independents, uh, to work on these issues that matter to the American people. Uh, but this is an issue that the president has taken very, very seriously since day one of his administration. Sure, yes. Okay. So again, it's not about border security. It's about immigration reform. You see, they always switch it over to amnesty. Okay. She won't answer the question about whether or not the border is secure. Same with Mayorkas. He says, yeah, it is secure. Uh, and it, 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 he's taken historic actions. Immigration has been a top priority. Well, not not border security, immigration reform. She goes on. Roughly 7,000 migrants crossing every day illegally. Does the White House believe the border is secure? Hey, look, I've told you what we have done, what we have made this a priority uh, to make sure... Done. Are they working? Uh, to make sure that there's border security measures. Look, look, here's the thing, Peter. The president has taken historic actions, right, that no other president has been able to do. When you think about the 23,000 agents uh, that he's been able, uh, we've been able to put out there to deal with uh, the issue that we're seeing at the border. And that is something that he did without a lot of Republican support. Right. Make sure that we are dealing with a real issue. When we think about uh, the smugglers, really putting a plan in place that we deal with the smugglers. Right. And we have to be very careful here, Peter, on how we talk about this, because if we talk about it in a way that is misinformation, then it helps the smugglers. And so these are the issues that the president has taken incredibly seriously. All right. So you can't even talk about it, because if you talk about the border being a sieve and everybody, oh, that's enabling the smugglers. Like, they don't know. You're telling them something they don't know, right? Again, it's totally disingenuous. Historic measures. Uh, yeah, right. <clears throat> they fight tooth and nail. Take down that those storage containers that are blocking these people. So Biden came out and gave a speech this week on immigration. Apparently, I'm hearing that Biden has gone ballistic at times on immigration. He sees uh, on Fox News, not on mainstream. He sees the videos of all these people coming across. And and apparently he's had fits over it that he's not happy about this. Uh, But he doesn't run the country. So, you know, he has no no say in it. Uh, And uh, he's been very, very unhappy about it. Uh, but finally, he, he's coming out. He's going down today to El Paso. You know, it's a joke. Nothing's really happening there. Um, and uh, then he came out and he talked about this asylum thing we're talking about, uh, where 30,000 30, people a month uh, can apply just online and just walk in. Uh, this is part of his speech. If you're trying to leave Cuba, Nicaragua, or Haiti, you have, and we, or have agreed to begin a journey to America... Do not, do not just show up at the border. Stay where you are and apply legally from there. Starting today, if you don't apply through the legal process, you will not be eligible for this new parole program. Let me reiterate, you need a lawful sponsor in the United States of America, number one. 
and you need to undergo a rigorous background check, number two. If your application is approved and you show up at, at a U.S. airport or when and where directed, you have access. But if your application is denied or you attempt to cross into the United States unlawfully, you will not be allowed to enter. This new process is orderly, it's safe, and it's humane. And it works. Since we created the new program, the number of Venezuelans trying to enter America without going through a legal process has dropped dramatically from about 1,100 per day to less than 250 per day. All right, so of course it's going to drop. When you just give them a voucher to come in, why would you come in illegally? This is insanity. I mean... All right, we'll, 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 we'll shut the border down. We'll just let you all in. Are we going to send planes to these people to bring them in? Uh, are we going to give them uh, airfare, one-way tickets? It, it's just unbelievable. Uh, uh, and uh, it's being underreported. Yeah, no need to sneak in. Just go online. And then we'll just, you just come right into the airport. No problem. Unbelievable. That's the craziness that we're dealing with now. It really is. Uh, let's switch gears. Uh, I told you um, uh, on my forecast show, the podcast available at com. I said that uh, there's two things that are going to drive the economy and financial markets, uh, the world economy as well, world financial markets as well. Two things is going to be, number one, uh, the Federal Reserve, Slash inflation, slash interest rates, and the reaction to it. Uh, uh, and number two, and probably more importantly, uh, Ukraine and Russia. What happens there? And as I've said on this program many times and on the podcast last week, uh, the West wants World War Three with Russia. The West looks at this conflict uh, as a way to wound Russia, if not destroy Russia which I think is insane uh, because Russia is not going to be destroyed, nor is it going to be severely wounded, uh, given the fact that it has the most nuclear weapons in the world. And it said they would use them if necessary. But the elite, the deep state, they want war with my question. Oh, by the way, uh, we're sending $3 billion more in aid now, including Bradley fighting vehicles, 50 Bradley fighting vehicles, uh, 25 millimeter gun, troop uh, transports. Uh, we're at war with Ukraine already. I mean, uh, with Russia already through Ukraine. I mean, it, it, what's the difference? Uh, if I have a problem with my next door neighbor, but my neighbor across the street uh, or around the block comes over and gives him weapons to kill me. Am I not at war with the guy around the corner, too? Of course. And there's no talk of peace talks. This is just they just want to continue to go. And they want $40 billion more and so forth. And then you got these war hawks, these, these idiots like Lindsey Graham coming out. And he says that uh, he wants U.S. tanks on the ground. And it can't happen quick enough. Uh, craziness, craziness in Washington, craziness everywhere. All right, to the end of our show, it goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. It's the fastest two hours of financial talk radio. You missed any of the program, go to thefinancialphysician.com. The podcast will be up right after the show, uh, our full two-hour program. 
you want to get in touch with me, uh, my email is lou at com. You want to set up a financial consulta- uh, consultation with me, 732-905-8100. Just remember, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. See you next week.